On this episode of the Vincast, I chat with Peter Weinberg, Chief Winemaker for Brands Leira in the Kunawara region. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Vincast. My name is James Gersbrook, otherwise known as the Intrepid Wino, and sincerest appreciation for your patience uh, whilst I get around to um, making a new episode available. Uh, as you can imagine, it's a very busy time of year, heading into the festive period with work, uh, and, uh, and so it can be a bit of a struggle, uh, as I've said on previous re- recordings or episodes of this podcast. Um, so thank you guys for your support. Uh, I'm thrilled to finally be able to uh, get this episode uh, out and uh, into your ears. Um, I recorded it some time ago whilst my guest was visiting Melbourne. Um, my guest is Peter Weinberg, uh, who is the chief winemaker for Brands Leira in Coonawarra. Uh, and I was um, contacted by the lovely people at Casella Family Wines uh, to um, to see if I was uh, willing to, to sit down with Peter. And, of course, I said yes. So uh, I do hope you enjoy the episode. Stick around until the end to let uh, Peter and myself know that you've listened to it. But uh, until then, I'll see you on the other side. Peter, thank you very much for making some time whilst you're here in Melbourne to uh, to sit down and have a chat. Welcome on the Vincast. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, James. Uh, I start every episode of my podcast asking my guest uh, if they can remember the first interaction that they had with wine that set them on a path towards working in the wine industry, uh, you know, a more, a more epiphanous moment with wine. Uh, well, to me, I think I come from uh, Newcastle and Hunter Valley, and we used to go up to the vineyards all the time with my uh, parents so when I was uh, a kid. Yeah, obviously, I couldn't uh, drink wine back then, but uh, we visited Tyrrell's Winery uh, regularly up there, and they had their great underground cellars with the big casks and the dirt floor and the tasting room. And uh, and uh, to this day, when I think about it, I can just I can still smell that uh, the smell of that 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 floor and the wine and everything like that. And that's uh, probably my first memory and what made me you know keen on uh, that this this industry mm. were your parents wine lovers uh yeah they're well not that big on wine but uh, they they certainly are now so <laughs> they love uh i uh, regularly send them wine and they uh, really appreciate that yeah i would say my parents in some ways my parents curse me because they say oh since you introduced us to you know premium or good quality wine james you know, we, we, we can't go back to uh, to the you know the, the less expensive stuff. Yeah, well, it sounds uh, like mum and dad to me as well. <laughs> they t- certainly take advantage of my uh, my connections. Yeah. Um, so so you're growing up in Newcastle, um, which obviously you know very close to uh, probably one of the most historic wine regions in Australia. Uh, you were you in in contact with the wine industry at all, sort of growing up? No, I, I didn't get in contact till uh, later. I sort of a, a little bit l- uh, of a later starter in the wine, the industry itself. I obviously enjoyed uh, drinking wine for uh, uh, quite a period before I actually uh, got involved in it. I had a few different jobs before I uh, uh, actually uh, started off in the wine industry. When I when I really got started, I was actually a uh, freight train driver up in the, you know, in, based out of Newcastle, and uh, yeah, uh, I thought I wanted to study, uh, get a piece of paper, live in the country, and uh, 
uh, and make wine. So I started studying while I was train driving uh, and uh, used my holidays uh, to work in the uh, up in the wineries uh, for vintage and uh, that sort of thing. And uh, uh, they must have liked the work I was uh, doing because they uh, offered me a job up at uh, Mount Pleasant uh, in the cellar, which I, uh, of course, uh, jumped at and uh, haven't looked back since. What was it that kind of um, uh, got you in the direction of the wine industry? I've heard from, like you, you said you were just enjoying wine, but like, what was it that kind of thought made you think, oh, I actually might follow a career in the wine industry? Yeah, um, I know people. You know, there's all those romantic notions about it, but you know, being you know, it's actually quite hard work. Uh, it's, uh, uh, I don't know, just the, the like. I loved the vineyards and uh, uh, the outdoors and, uh, and like I said before, the wine. And uh, it was just like putting that together uh, with wanting to you know, study and actually get a degree as well uh, that steered me in that, uh, that direction, really. Mm. So you uh, interested in agriculture um, at that point? Uh, well, when I came out of school, I actually wanted to be a pilot. Oh, really? <laughs> and I ended up getting in the Navy for a very short period of time before I decided that wasn't... Uh, uh, my uh, cup of tea and uh, yeah, then uh, led on to a couple of years working for a surveying company which I really liked as well and uh, then from there to train driving which yeah, I've always liked, uh, yeah, I've been one of those train geeks sort of things so I liked it. Really? Uh, yeah, I liked a train spotter? <laughs> Not exactly a train spotter but yeah, I was interested <laughs> in them. I, actually when I was young I had a massive, big, massive train set and uh, I suppose that's uh, yeah, some of the reason there, but yeah, I like uh, I like big machines with a bit of power and that sort of thing. So, mm -hmm. what sort of freight were you hauling? Uh, it was a mix, but most of uh, in the Hunter Valley, the majority was uh, was uh, coal actually. But uh, oh, right. yeah, we'd do freighters up and down the coast or uh, wheat trains inland as well. But uh, yeah, most of my work was on uh, uh, coalies. Yeah, steel, steel as well in Newcastle. Well, didn't that movie, like that movie Bootman? Yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was a, a, a musical or something, and, and you worked in the steelworks. Or yeah, something? that was a, the old BHP in Newcastle. That's uh, been gone for a couple of decades now. My grandfather used to work there, and uh, yeah, I remember uh, actually uh, there uh, a couple of times you'd see in the movies and the you know those American movies when the siren goes off and thousands of people appear out of the buildings to go and jump in their cars and the buses. That's what it used to be like there, but uh, uh, that's all uh, all. Uh, well and truly gone now. That makes me think of the Flintstones, to be honest, when he slides down the back of the Brontosaurus <laughs> in, into the into his car and drives home. Uh, yeah, right. Okay, so you you sort of had an interest in being outside and being on the move, that kind of thing. So uh, where did you uh, go to study? I uh, studied at uh, Charles Sturt Uni because that's uh, basically the only place you can really study this degree while you're uh, working. Uh, uh, at the at the same time, you'd go down there for your residential schools, and then do most of it uh, uh, by the rest of it, yeah, by yeah. correspondence. So uh, yeah, it was uh, fantastic. Many people in the industry uh, have gone through that uh, that path because it's especially good because you can be yeah. When I I end up uh, leaving the uh, the yeah the train driving to work at Mount Pleasant, and uh, yeah, I was still I was studying, finishing off my uh, degree there. So, uh, and it's extremely beneficial when you're actually working in the industry and studying. It makes it so much easier. Yeah, well, certainly when I was working in the first winery, uh, I worked out at Chandon. You know, a lot of the, the guys and girls working in the winery 
were studying with Charles Sturt by correspondence and they'd go off for their residential school. But, uh, uh, uh you know, in, in my case, like I was doing it with University of Adelaide, but, but I was studying wine business. But yeah. same thing, you know, I was working in the industry whilst I was also studying. Yeah. So, yep. so where were you working, um, whilst you were studying? Uh, I was up, uh, at, uh, Mount Pleasant, uh, yeah, in the Hunter I mean, Valley, uh, home of, uh, lovely Semyon and, uh, some pretty, uh, pretty hot Shiraz as well, but, uh, uh, a, few, a few more important historic uh, locations in the Hunter Valley to work. Yeah, you know, it was great working there. That's where the great Morris O'Shea uh, uh, started out uh, with his, uh, his, you know, he was one of the pioneers of the Australian uh, wine industry. And, uh, yeah, it was great working at uh, such a, an iconic uh, winery. And uh, that was one of, yeah, it's been one of my career highlights uh, working there. It was, yeah, just very it was hard work, but uh, very enjoyable. Do, do, did you have some idea at the time of like how important uh, you know that that place to work out uh, was? Uh, I knew that it was an old and uh, established and important winery, but uh, it was only I suppose when I started there that I was more aware of you know, how uh, in awe uh, you know many people in the industry were of the the history of. Uh, uh, of, uh, of Mount Pleasant and, uh, yeah, what it, uh, did, how it uh, helped the, uh, industry and, um, yeah. So early on you, um, established a fairly close relationship with, uh, Semyon and Shiraz? Yeah, yeah. Obviously there's none of that, uh, no Semyon in, uh, Kunawara, but, uh, yeah, I love a good, uh, preferably aged hunter Semyon, uh, the old Lovedales that we used to do up there are, are absolute classics, uh, and uh, yeah, they're a, a very special uh, wine in the in the uh, in the in the world of wine. Mm. Uh, but being being part of the McWilliams um, family business uh, must have been pretty amazing. You know, obviously a, a very important uh, wine family uh, in the Australian industry. Um, was that a, a great opportunity to sort of? Uh, explore, learn, you know, um, working in different sites in the Hunter Valley? Uh, absolutely. Uh, we'd, we'd get together regularly with the other winemakers uh, down in the Riverina. They were a great bunch of uh, yeah, talented winemakers there too. We had a great time doing our post-vintage uh, assessments and uh, and blending sessions and all that uh, there. It was, uh, uh, yeah, learnt a lot uh, from uh, the uh, winemaking uh, team at, uh, at McWilliams. Uh, what what um, how did they find it um, as far as the the, the study and uh, fitting that in with work? Uh, well, it's 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 hard. You've really got to uh, manage uh, your time well, and uh, you know, of course, I was doing it with a uh, young uh, family uh, as well. So uh, yeah, right, okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a uh, it can be a bit of a struggle sometimes. You know, late nights uh, finishing off assignments or studying for exams. So mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, but you've got to you've yeah, you've got to do that, and it's uh, you know, if you don't uh, push yourself and don't try hard, you're not going to get anywhere. Did you enjoy the the residential school experience? Like, um, you know, spending time with other fellow students who are probably from you know different regions uh, and, and and possibly different backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, no, that was uh, fantastic down there. So, uh, you'd uh, apart from that, that camaraderie and stories and. Uh, 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 the uh, quiz nights down in the bar at the uni and stuff like that. Uh, uh, got to see everybody bringing wines from where they uh, they worked in uh, different parts of the country, which was uh, you know, yeah, really good for you know, developing the, the palate and knowledge and that sort of thing as well. Mm. Back then, apart from Hunter wines, um, what were some of the, the wines that you kind of found more interesting and, and, and maybe inspired you a little bit? 
Uh, well, I think I've always been interested in uh, in Coonawarra, their uh, lovely reds, but uh, one of the first ones from Coonawarra, like uh, early, in my early days that I had, was actually uh, uh, a brands layer of Chardonnay. And uh, you know, oh, wow. I, make, I make brands layer of Chardonnay now, obviously it's a, a passion of mine, but uh, I had that and I loved it and uh, I, little was I to know how uh, I'd be making that exact wine uh, uh, not that many years later. That's pretty spooky, actually. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, a bit odd, but um, yeah, it's uh, another one, you know, one of those moments that uh, drinking that wine uh, on the on Newcastle foreshore and uh, with my uh, soon-to-be wife, and it was uh, yeah, uh, it was kind of odd, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, how long did you end up um, spending at McWilliams? Uh, was that beyond your studies? Well, well I yes, yes, yeah. I've, uh, I was at Mount Pleasant a couple of years, and then uh, moved uh, when the winemaker at uh, Brands Lera, which was part of the McWilliams Group at that time, uh, uh, moved on uh, to uh, uh, new employment. Uh, that the opportunity came on up to. Uh, uh, put my hand up for uh, Brands Lera winemaking, and uh, to my uh, actual surprise, I uh, I uh, got uh, yeah got accepted for the position there. And uh, yeah, really, I haven't looked back. It's uh, it's a wonderful place to make wine and uh, yeah, grow up, grow a young family, and that sort of thing. Mm. So when was that? That was uh, 1999. So I'm coming up for uh, yeah, nearly uh, 20 years there. Oh, I'm on 20 years uh, there now. In your 20th year, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, um, before you actually made the the move to Kunawara, um, like, had you had much experience with uh, a lot of Kunawara wines? Uh, I mean, we're looking at some older vintages of uh, of Cabernet, for example. Uh, no, only really only drinking uh, drinking it, uh, you know, socially or uh, you know, in the different, yeah, uh, you know, when we went through obviously uni, you'd, there'd be lots of wine appraisal studies and things like that too. He'd uh, have a look at it there. So I was, you know, I, I, moving down there, I was uh, you know, a new kid to uh, Cabernet especially. And, uh, and we know uh, Coonawarra's specialty really is uh, is Cabernet. So uh, uh, thankfully I picked it up uh, very quickly. It's... Uh, 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 and uh, yeah, and I love Cabernet. Cabernet is my uh, favourite red, and uh, Chardonnay is my favourite white. Sort of the king, uh, queen of the whites, and the king of the reds. Uh, I say. <laughs> so when you made the shift down there, um, what were your kind of the earliest impressions of, of um, firstly of the Coonawarra region, and then uh, of Brands Lara? Well, people down there are extremely lovely and friendly. It's a you know open, inviting. It's not a big community. Coonawarra itself uh, is just a little village. There's only about fifty people there. Yeah, I mean, was that a, a pretty dramatic change of pace going from Newcastle on the Hunter Valley down to Coonawarra, which you know is a, a yeah. smaller region. Yeah, well. it's, it's it's basically sort of one strip of the Terra Rossa. <laughs> Uh, and and Panola is a pretty small town, yeah. Yeah, well, I lived. Uh, we had a house in the yeah uh, in a Newcastle, and Newcastle's not a small place. It's uh, it's quite big, and uh, there's about half a million people as opposed to you know fifty uh, people down in Coonawarra. So that was different. Uh, um, and yeah, some days you did think, uh, what the hell am I doing here? But uh, uh, overall, it's uh, you know. Uh, it's a fantastic place, yeah. Lovely clean air and uh, friendly people. Uh, yeah, don't have to lock your doors or anything like that. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, and the the kids, uh, yeah, they grew up there. Went uh, down to school in Panola and then Mount Gambier and uh, uh, 
yeah, had a great time. Mm. Um, still having a great time. Yeah, okay. Uh, and, uh, of course, you know, the Kurunawara region, um, you know, uh, a very important historical region, uh, you know, some pretty incredible um, uh, people have, uh, have been working in the Kurunawara for many years. Um, did you kind of appreciate the opportunity to sort of look at a different um, sort of wine history from, from the Hunter to the Kurunawara? Yeah, uh, well, once again, I, I w- didn't fully know the history of uh, Coonawarra until I uh, got there and you know, started to, yeah, I suppose, get more immersed in it. But, uh, yeah, Coonawarra dates back to uh, 1890 with uh, John Riddick and the Panola Coonawarra Fruit Colony. Uh, so it's uh, got, uh, yeah, quite a few years uh, on it too and lots of, uh, you know, uh, Great winemakers in the Australian wine industry have spent, you know, done time in, uh, in Coonawarra and, you know, there's many uh, that are still there. Mm. So, um, can you talk a little bit about the history of Brands Lairer? Yeah, well, Brands Lairer itself, uh, the winery was established by, uh, Eric Brand in, uh, 1966. Uh, he'd been there for a while. He was, uh, he was a baker by trade, but he, uh, he met, uh, uh, Nancy Redman, uh, uh, who's, uh, yeah, obviously from the, uh, Redman family, who's, uh, who are ubiquitous with the, you know, the history of, uh, of Coonawarra. And, uh, yeah, I know the Redmans very well. Uh, the, uh, they've, they've, they've always been a massive part of the, uh, uh, industry there. But, uh, uh Eric married, uh, Nancy and, uh, uh, in time, uh, they were bequeathed a, uh, a, uh, a vineyard block down there, which uh, happened to be the um, uh, what we call our uh, old vine Shiraz, that was actually planted in 1893. At, uh, uh, that got uh, Eric and Nancy a start, uh, and you know, after producing a bit of you know, some bulk wine for uh, other people like Hardy's for a while, Eric thought, uh, yeah, I'm not making it for other people, I'm going to make it for myself and mm-hmm. uh, start the winery. So he opened it in 1966. Uh, and it moved on uh, to his uh, sons, uh, Jim and Bill, uh, uh, through the 70s. Uh, when I moved down there, uh, Jim uh, Brand was uh, was my boss there. And uh, and at this uh, point in time, uh, uh, Trent Brand, uh, who is uh, Eric's uh, grandson, is our uh, is our vineyard manager. So uh, obviously, the Brand family is still heavily uh, involved there. We buy fruit, uh, other fruit from the Brand family vineyards uh, in Coonawarra, in addition to our uh, own vineyards there as well. So uh, uh, it's it is one of the uh, older uh, uh, wineries in in Coonawarra. Uh, you know, Coonawarra really didn't start to, you know, though it started in uh, the 1890s, it didn't really become a, uh, a more, uh, let's say, a, a progressive, established. Yeah, established wine uh, area until uh, the uh, 50s, and from there it uh, it, it uh, yeah moved uh, moved on ahead at uh, yeah, great speed, and uh, right now the whole Terrace Strip is uh, nothing uh, but uh, but vines. Mm. Um, so, um, re, you know, somewhat sort of historic cellars, was that uh, an exciting opportunity to, to move into those cellars that had had so many vintages before? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it was uh, fantastic to, you know, move into a place like that that, you know, has got a, a good name and uh, uh, a history and, uh, you yeah, the oldest uh, I've got, I work with the oldest vines in uh, in Coonawarra uh, as well, so that's uh, an, an honour and uh, and we've we've got some yeah absolutely fantastic uh, uh, vineyards on the on the strip there and uh, yeah it, you can just get some 
great fruit to make some uh, very good wine. You, you, you can't make good wine without uh, great fruit. Mm, absolutely. And, and of course, you know, the, the site, the, uh, the, 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 um, the, the microclimate and the soils are so important. What is it for those who are un, unfamiliar with it is so um, amazing about the Terra Rossa soils there? And, and any impact on on the the, the wine quality? Oh, well, I think I, I never think it's just the soils. It's it's the climate uh, and uh, the soils down there. I'll, I'll just say a bit about the climate. But uh, yeah, most of the the great uh, cabernet producing areas uh, of the world have uh, a maritime influence uh, uh, to their climate, like Napa, Bordeaux, Margaret River, uh, and us. So. Uh, it's a Mediterranean climate that we have with the uh, cool, wet winters and warm, dry summers. In the warm, dry summers, uh, we, uh, we get the evening sea breezes uh, where uh, the temperature often drops to 10 or below and that uh, leads to the vines shutting uh, or slowing down their metabolism so you get a longer growing season. More time for uh, the, uh, the, the fruit to develop flavours, tannins and colour. So that's what the uh, climate contributes. And the uh, actual Terra Rossa, it's, it's unique mix of you know, its own nutrients and really w- good draining uh, soil. Uh, it, you know, that's, uh, that provides the other part of it. So it's a, it's a combination of those uh, two things that uh, give uh, Kunawar its, uh, its unique uh, characteristics. How big is the the actual region? Because Kunawara is a lot smaller than probably people would actually um, be aware yeah. of. Yeah, it's not uh, huge. It's about uh, 5,600, 5,700 uh, actual hectares there, but uh, essentially the, the whole strip, which is 25 kilometres long and varies from one to about maybe two kilometres wide in different areas, that's uh, totally planted out. There are a lot little uh, other areas outside that strip that are, are the Terra Rossa as well. But, uh, yeah, the main strip, uh, which is an old frontal sand dune from uh, about a million years ago, uh, uh, is um, yeah, is uh, planted uh, to vines now. Yeah, okay. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you mentioned uh, that uh, you're working with the oldest vines and now Shiraz? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Shiraz. We make a wine called the uh, Stentiford's uh, Reserve Shiraz. So, um, yeah, no doubt you were drawing on some of the experiences you had working with Shiraz in the Hunter Valley. Yeah, no, uh, I suppose my uh, what I loved uh, in the Hunter Valley with the Red Sea was the the barrel work and uh, the way we worked there with the uh, finishing off fermentation in barrels, you know, uh, primary and secondary f- fermentation and uh, racking the barrels, uh, uh, basically uh, uh, th- that barrel work that I had there, that the way I did it, I took it uh, with me to uh, to brands and, uh, yeah, the, they, uh, it, it was a yeah, bit of a change there, but I think uh, we've lifted the fruit profile uh, uh, a little bit more in uh, in my time and with some of the uh, techniques I, I I took down there. Mm-hmm. What um what were some of the other um maybe challenges or uh, influences you had when you first arrived uh, in, in the Kunawara? Uh, really, so like a, the only things were like I said before the isolation because we're a long way. Uh, from, you know, our, our families uh, up in uh, Newcastle and that sort of thing. So that was, you know, a bit uh, hard and, uh, and yeah, really, uh, you you wanted to go uh, grocery shopping uh, back then. Uh, yeah, it was a 60, uh, well, it was basically 130k return trip to go to the supermarket. Uh, yeah, not that's a, a great uh, hindrance, but uh, uh, 
Uh, you have to do a lot of planning ahead, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't <laughs> you don't want to forget something. So, uh, and in the early days in trading, in yeah, when I went there in uh, South Australia, they had very very restrictive hours. Thank God, they're uh, they actually open shops on Saturday afternoons and Sundays now. So. Uh, Holy Back then, man. they used to be shut uh, uh, at eleven o'clock on Saturday, so you had a couple of hours on the weekend after you finished work to dash down and uh, get what you needed. So. Sounds like a bank. <laughs> yes, it does. But uh, like I said, thank thankfully uh, we've got the same trading hours as the rest of the country now, which makes it a bit easier for people at work and uh, can't always get to where they need to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you enjoy kind of um, moving into the the community around wine in the Coonawarra? You know, you see, uh, you said like it's you know twenty five kilometer by one or two kilometer strip, and there's uh, there's a few wineries in there. Um, is it is it great to sort of um, be part of uh, that community and have the proximity to other producers? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it uh, you know, like yeah, everything's close by. Uh, all the winemaking uh, community, everybody knows everybody there. You yeah, if you've got a a problem at work, you can ring up somebody. If you've got a, you need a spare part, uh, you can probably you can ring up somebody and uh, get that too. And uh, uh, yeah, lots of uh, even though it's such a small community, there's never ever nothing to do. There's always uh, something on. I've actually, yeah, when I get back tonight, I've got to go and um, uh, man the bar at the Coonawarra Community Club. So I'm the, I'm going to be the barman there tonight. So uh, uh, yeah, it's things like that. Uh, uh, that uh, yeah, make it special down there. We've got another thing at uh, once a month. We call it uh, Coonawarra Tea Night, uh, where the the members get rostered for different duties. So uh, you know, the the kitchen is manned by the volunteers as well, you know, doing steaks and schnitzels and stuff like that. And everybody comes in, and brings their plate of uh, salad or uh, uh, potato bake or something like that, and puts it on a shared table and. and uh, uh, you bring along your bottle of wine, and everybody uh, mingles in the uh, in the hall, and uh, yeah, has a chat, uh, a nice drink, and uh, yeah, have a very good social time there. Mm. Uh, who were some of the the, the early uh, influences? I guess uh, who who would you kind of maybe ask for advice when you made that transition to Coonawarra? Some of the, the other uh, fellow wine producers or people within the business. Yeah, well, there were quite a few. Uh, probably my first one when I went there was the uh, former winemaker at Brands, uh, who was uh, uh, Bruce Gregory, who's a very good friend of mine. He's a winemaker at uh, Magellan now. They make some great wines. And, uh, yeah, uh, Bruce uh, and his family, uh, they were helped us uh, settle in there uh, when we first uh, moved there, you know, doing introductions and that sort of thing. And uh, I've got some great friends, uh, Sarah Pigeon, a winemaker at uh, Wynn's, uh, yeah. Winemaker of the year. Oh, yeah, you share her and Sue Hodder. Uh, yes. Last year. Yep. So. Um, and, and, uh, and, and particularly, um, you, you were sort of saying, you know, you know, obviously the first experiences were with varieties like Semyon and, and Shiraz, a little bit less Cabernet. Um, it was a daunting to kind of approach Cabernet in, in, you know, possibly one of Australia's most important regions for Cabernet. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I was, uh, I was a bit nervous with the first vintage and, uh, uh, I was, because, you know, obviously it's a much later start than the Hunter Valley and my first year there, uh, I think we didn't start, uh, picking till, uh, you know, right near the end of March. And to me, yeah, like if I was in Hunter Valley, we would have, uh, packed away vintage, uh, you know, at least a month before then. I'm sitting there thinking, when is it going to start? When is it going to start? And, uh, that was uh, a 99 vintage? Yeah, 99. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, in the end it turned out very, very well. I was very proud of the wines we, uh, did from that year. It was, uh, 
quite a good year. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. It was the first time I was seen. Uh, uh, I walked out in the back of the winery one morning uh, through vintage, and there was ice, uh, yeah, frost all over the barrels and everything like that. A bit different to the Hunter Valley, so uh, yeah. Can, and not uh, what you expect from Kunawara as well. Sorry, not what you expect. You sort of expect, you know, they like to they produce some, you know, quite robust, full-bodied red. So you expect, oh, it's going to be, you know, like the Barossa Valley, nice and nice and warm. Yeah. But it's probably not necessarily the case. No, no, it's you, you, you do get, uh, yeah, some quite warm days there. But uh, like I said before, it's that that those nighttime temperatures that get really down that make that long growing season that enable uh, the red wines to, yeah, get, yeah, that achieve that sort of riper, robust uh, state that make uh, yeah, the, the solid uh, Coonawarra reds that you uh, do see. So uh, uh, it, it's not necessarily the the warmth or anything like that. It's the, the length of the, the, the growing season, the, the, uh, the extra time you get for the, the grapes uh, to uh, mature. Mm. What have been some of the standout vintages uh, for you whilst you've been there in the last 20 years? You know, probably the ones where you... Uh, learnt the most and and uh, maybe had to work a bit harder, but got but got results that you were really happy with. Yeah, uh, well, like I said, ninety nine was. Uh, after that, uh, it'd be two thousand and four, where we had uh, yeah, quite high cropping levels and had to wait a while, uh, quite a while for uh, the yeah to, for the wines to actually reach maturity. And uh, I remember that year uh, we. Uh, the last uh, picking, like uh, with our, our, our the seasons down there, when it turns, uh, you know, from the dry uh, to the wet, it normally, you know, that's that's it. It, it changes uh, pretty quickly. And uh, I remember that year finishing our harvest uh, in the rain, uh, sitting out in the vineyard there, had a fire going, some beers, and uh, watching the harvesters with the misty rain there. And that would have been about the 18th of, uh, I think it was eight. 20th of May or something like that so quite late in the year and uh, it was certainly getting cold and uh, yeah certainly a change in season. Uh, what about more recent vintages um, have you kind of noticed a, a difference you know I know it's controversial but like climate change for example a vintage is a bit earlier than they were when you first started? Yeah it's, uh, it, there's still quite a bit of variability here but I could uh, generally say that they are uh, uh, earlier, uh, definitely we've had some of the, uh, earliest, uh, ones, uh, ever, uh, uh, the last, uh, uh, yeah, seven or eight years. So, uh, I think, um, that, uh, 15, 16 were, uh, quite, uh, early years. Uh, mm-hmm. as I said before, uh, we started in, in, end of March in 99 and, uh, were some of these, we were starting the end of February. So, uh, on a few of them. So that's, uh, quite a, uh, substantial, uh, difference, but, uh, like, yeah, every year's a bit different. I rec- I think this year the way we're going, it will probably be a bit later again with this uh, this cool you know, weather that we keep on having. Yes, uh, yeah, that's something that I've, I've noticed. You know, it's uh, been raining a little bit here in Melbourne. Uh, you know, a little bit cooler. Uh, I'm surprised my uh, my wife uh, needs to be turning on the heating again, yeah. even though it's uh, almost December. Uh, so, how is that kind of uh, impacting on uh, on the, the the future or the vintage for next year? Uh, well, at the moment, because the vines are still in quite an early stage, it's really not going to have too much of an influence. We're just about at flowering. Uh, well, there is some flowering starting, so this is not the weather we want uh, for that, because no. uh, that'll affect the uh, the uh, crop levels. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, it's like we're we're basically farmers, uh, so we've got to you know. You take what the uh, weather uh, dishes out to it. So we mother, are at the mercy of yeah, Mother Nature. Yeah. Mother Nature rules, uh, absolutely. So, uh, uh, 
yeah. Uh, at the, so at this stage, uh, it'll, all it will do is possibly uh, delay uh, everything and hopefully not uh, affect cropping levels too much. Yeah, okay. So um, Brands Lara uh, became part of the Casella um, family uh, business, um, of which there are a number of uh, brands that potentially people might not be aware are, you know, are owned by Casella. Um, how long ago did that, that, did that happen and um, what was the transition like? Yeah, basically we changed over all the uh, Casella uh, took ownership of uh, brands uh, uh, just before Christmas in uh, 2015. So, uh, uh, yeah, obviously there's a change over to new management uh, cultures and systems and all that sort of thing. Uh, you know, the computer systems that you use, uh, yeah, it's uh, all that work. So, uh, a, a bit of effort there, but uh, they've got a pretty good uh, team to work with. Uh, uh, at this stage, uh, Casella, the, uh, many people might know they've got uh, Peter Lehman, they've also got Morris and uh, uh, Bailey's uh, of uh, uh, Glen Rowan in addition to us. So there's uh, John Casella's uh, yeah, building up a bit of a, a premium uh, portfolio uh, there, which is a, a good thing, and uh, I suppose with them too, that we've had a injection of uh, funding to uh, enable a bit uh, some uh, uh, additional work around the uh, the winery. And uh, one one fantastic thing that uh, we got was uh, an optical uh, berry sorter uh, uh, this last vintage, which yeah, uh, right, okay, which is uh, uh, my my favourite uh, toy uh, ever. How, that how does it work? Uh, well, basically, we put the grapes in one end and it goes through various uh, stages, whether it's hand-picked or machine-picked. We tip it into a receival hopper, then it goes through several stages, shaker tables and things like that that separate different components. Then the last stage, uh, the fruit uh, goes onto a sort of high-speed conveyor and it flies off the end of that conveyor and there's different uh, optical sensors there that uh, look at the berries as they're in flight, to put a better word, but, uh, and it can uh, sort them on colour or uh, uh, if they're damaged and things like that. Uh, basically, you've got a program where you, you, you pick the characteristics that you want uh, in there, and uh, while those berries are in mid-flight, there's a uh, 100 air guns uh, that actually fire. So if, it, if you sense a green berry, the gun will fire and knock that out of the stream of berries. So it goes to waste. Same as thing if you've got, like when you get machine harvest, you get bugs and things like that, it'll knock the bugs out. And in the end, you get uh, totally uh, clean uh, fruit uh, to uh, go and uh, go to ferment. Uh, and uh, it's uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, I wouldn't want to be without it now. I've noticed that uh, I've seen quite a lot of um, wineries using optical sorters. Uh, in regions where Cabernet is so important, like I've seen it, I think uh, one of the first wineries in Australia to use it was Cape Mantel in Margaret River. Yeah. You know, I saw optical sorters at uh, Opus One in Napa Valley, and I saw obviously lots of optical sorters in Bordeaux. Yeah. Um, is that something that's really, really valuable, particularly when you're working with a variety like Cabernet? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Cabernet, when you one thing you want to avoid there as much as possible are the uh, the green flavours. So. Uh, uh, especially if it's a, a harder year or uh, you know, if you're a cooler year, you can uh, uh, select to uh, uh, you knock out the less ripe uh, berries, which is uh, yeah very beneficial. So uh, uh, yeah, you, I can see that definite correlation there uh, uh, with uh, cabernet producing areas and uh, yeah the use of these machines. It uh, would uh, certainly improve uh, mm. improve the results. Mm. 
Uh, now, of course, this uh, past week uh, you've been in Melbourne and um, Brands Lair has been involved with one of the, the annual events the, the night noodle markets, um, you know, um, so it has been a great opportunity to promote Brands Lera. It has uh, been part of the Casella group, um, been an interesting opportunity to kind of um, reinvigorate the brand of Brands Lera. Yeah, no, well, basically any, I suppose, wine company, uh, you've got to try and keep in the face of the consumer and that sort of thing. Uh, uh, which is, you know, basically, uh, takes a, uh, it's a full-time job almost, but, uh, that's a great opportunity there being the sponsor of the noodle markets. You get lots of, uh, you know, uh, many, many people come through there and, uh, and it's a great chance to show our wines and we, uh, a great opportunity for us to, uh, you know, bring distributors around, uh, and that sort of thing and, uh, you know, Give them a, a taste and a, a, a chat, like just like I'm doing now, you know, so that we, you know, they know about uh, brands and Kunawara and uh, what we do, and uh, can see our uh, our wines, and then hopefully put them on the shelves. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, the most important thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and getting the people to buy them as well. Yeah, how's it been? Um, you, you know, mentioned that uh, one of the early influence wines was the brands Lara Chardonnay. How's it been uh, working with that Chardonnay? Uh, uh, look, I, uh, I absolutely, I'm, I'm a Chardonnay fan and, uh, and, uh, I, it's one of my passions. We're actually going to be blending, uh, the Chardonnay, uh, the 2018 Chardonnay next week, uh, when I, you know, when I'm back on uh, deck there and, uh, I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, and I always, uh, always remember that, uh, that time, uh, when I first drank it, when I'm making it. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, uh, uh, that's the Chardonnay is my little baby there, and uh, and uh, uh, yeah, I do it the the best I can. Our, our style is all barrel fermented, the same as what we were doing when I was in the Hunter Valley. But uh, yeah, having cooler climate fruit, it's uh, yeah, we can make a more distinctive style with lovely uh, uh, those lovely stone fruit flavours and uh, and yeah, better acid structure and mm. all that sort of thing. So. Uh, I'm pretty happy. Uh, yeah, we've won quite a few trophies with our Chardonnay uh, over the years, and uh, and it's uh, going uh, quite well sales-wise at the moment. So uh, I'm uh, yeah extremely happy with it. I saw uh, actually yesterday. I saw uh, uh, I always uh, go into bottle shops when I'm travelling to see if they're stocking our wine. It's always yeah I love love seeing our wine on the shelves. Uh, yesterday I saw you know, a businesswoman in the city here uh, picking up a bottle of our Chardonnay and paying for it, and uh, I. Like, yeah, I said good choice and uh, uh, good wine, and I said I'm the winemaker, and she looked at me uh, like think, I think she thought I was trying to pick her up or something like that. But uh, uh, yeah, especially now because I've got a, a chopper reed mo for uh, Movember, I uh, might have looked a bit scary as well. But uh, yeah, um, did you want to let people know about any upcoming events in the Kurnawara? Obviously, ideally. It's uh, great for people to visit the region and uh, and visit some of the cellar doors and have a taste and head into Brands Lera. Yeah, yeah. Uh, through the year, uh, Coonawarra and the, the Vignerons put on quite uh, a number of uh, events uh, to uh, keep people interested. And in the, you know, the best way to see what's going on and everything like that is uh, visit the uh, Coonawarra Vignerons uh, website and uh, you can get a rundown of the calendar, uh, you know, look, see what all the events are on. We've got the, the Coonawarra Cup coming up in uh, January, which is... Uh, quite a, uh, a big event uh, uh, in the yeah, in the uh, area. We've got uh, 
after dark uh, in April, uh, cellar dwellers in uh, July and uh, Cabernet month uh, in October. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's... No shortage of events. No, yeah, no shortage of events. And, uh, yeah, and that's a great... Uh, uh, friendly place to come. You know, my two favourite times of the year are probably autumn and spring, and uh, you know, uh, down there with the yeah you know, the new growth in autumn and uh, uh, sorry new growth in spring and the uh, the colours uh, in uh, in autumn and uh, yeah great go and stay in a little cottage there have a fire going and uh, drink a, a bottle of uh, lovely uh, Kunawara. Cabernet. Mm, absolutely. Well, I uh, thank you very much, Peter. Uh, I, you, know, you need to hit the road back to back to Kunawara. Um, I, I really do appreciate you making some time. Um, and uh, yeah, look, I wish you all the best with the upcoming vintage. Uh, thank you very much, James. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you, listeners, for joining us on this episode of the Vincast. I have been James Scarcebrook, otherwise known as the Intrepid Wino. And as always, you can follow me on social media at Intrepid Wino on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And the podcast can be found on Twitter at the Vincast. Uh, you can find my YouTube channel, Intrepid Wino, one word. Uh, lots of different videos there, uh, including my series called Let's Taste, where I open Australian and New Zealand wines. And uh, hopefully I will have released a recent a recording where I open a couple of uh, Peter's wines from the brand's Layer range. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. Make sure you subscribe, um, share, uh, post, uh, comment on one of the videos uh, and hit the like button, please, as well. Uh, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on any number of different um, podcast um, listening apps and uh, programs. Uh, the Vincast um, relies on the support of the listeners. Uh, so uh, subscribing on something like iTunes, Player FM, Podbean, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, um, it means that you can get the newest episode as soon as it becomes available. But also those platforms allow you to leave a rating and a review, which uh, really does help me out because uh, it gets the, the, the audience um, to grow and grow. And uh, I'd love for more people to listen to the podcast. Uh, as always, you can find out all that information on my website, intrepidwino.com, uh, as well as information about my experiences, my writings in the past, uh, and about my wine brand, Vino Intrepido Wines. Um, hopefully, uh, like I said, I'll have another episode out very soon, but until then, bye. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. EarbudsNetwork.com